Heart of Grief is a program by Certified Grief Recovery Specialists Lori Penner and Brian McGee. Brian and Lori are not professional counselors. They do not offer therapy. If you are experiencing a crisis, please reach out to your local emergency or healthcare providers. What Lori and Brian offer in this podcast is an authentic, personal familiarity with the pain of loss and a straightforward approach to recovery that has proven transformative in the lives of thousands of grievers. As proud sponsors of the Grief Recovery Method programs, Martin Brothers Funeral Chapels in Lethbridge, Alberta are pleased to partner with Brian and Lori to bring you this podcast. We hope our listeners will discover genuine, practical help and encouragement. Hello again to our listeners. This is Brian at the Heart of Grief podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Lori Penner. Hi, Lori, and welcome back to you as well. It's been a little while since you and I have shared our makeshift mobile studio. I've done a couple of solo episodes and had an interview or two while you've been away, and it's nice to have you back. Hello, it certainly has been a while. Work got incredibly busy, and as always, there never seems to be enough hours in a day. So thank you for going solo, and I'm so happy to be back. Great. Lori, the topic for today is one that is special to both you and to me. It's the matter of loss and grief in children. We want to talk about how we as parents, grandparents, and caregivers can be more helpful to the kids in our lives when their hearts are hurting. This is especially close to you, I know, as it was out of a concern for your children and grandchildren that you initially became involved in the work of grief recovery. It sure was. At the time my ex-husband died, we had five little granddaughters, and of course it doesn't matter how old our children are, they're still, still our children. I've shared previously how I went into mom and nana mode when they were coming home to th- plan the funeral, and I truly did my best to help them with their grief. I had done what I had learned, which was to be strong and take care of everyone. A few months later, you contacted me and asked me to attend your Helping Children with Loss program. So thank you for that invitation. It changed my life. Lori, you are so welcome. And uh, honestly, it's great to now be able to co-lead these programs together. And Lori, it's important for us to say again that we are not psychologists or doctors. And we make this very clear to our listeners. Our program is educational in nature. It's based on the principles drawn from the grief recovery method, which, by the way, has been through academic research and is now an evidence-based effective program. The program is then informed by our own experience and that of hundreds of participants uh, in our groups over the years. Coming from these perspectives, we offer insights that can be understood by everyone and simple recovery actions that can be taken by anyone. From time to time, we do uh, refer to academic perspectives and to research that we feel is pertinent to the topics of discussion. And that will be the case in this episode. And that's an important clarification. And also to mention, again, that the Grief Recovery Program is evidence-based through Kent University in Ohio. Mm -hmm. So a couple of years ago, Lori, I was told by a psychiatrist that I know that from his academic perspective, children are not able to grieve until around the age of eight years. 
There wasn't opportunity for me at the time to get an explanation of what he meant by that idea. However, it did leave me wondering. Something you and I know, and what I think our listeners would affirm, is that kids do experience hurt, confusion, and disappointment over various endings and changes that come into their lives, and that there is no better term really for what they experience than grief. In addition, there is very convincing academic research that strongly supports the assertion that children do indeed grieve, though in ways that are unique to them and to the various stages of a child's mental and emotional development. Absolutely. I read an article from Social Work Today that was very interesting. The title of it was How Children Grieve, Persistent Myths May Stand in the Way of Appropriate Care and Support for Children by Kate Jackson. It starts off discussing the misperceptions regarding the existence of childhood grief and even how babies can exhibit grief responses when a primary caregiver dies. It goes on to speak to something that we know that grief does not happen in a nice, neat little stage or package, but is unique to the person grieving. And children and adults will all grieve in their own way. That helpful article is available, by the way, online. Um, and we have provided a link to it in our episode notes. Now, Lori, our practice when leading people through the grief recovery work is to begin with our own stories of loss. Both you and I have early childhood experiences of loss that we now recognize as being grief events. So why don't we go ahead and each share one of those briefly with our listeners? How about you first? And uh, Lori, we really want to be clear here with our listeners. Our intention in sharing these things is not to be critical in any way or dismissing of our parents and their caring efforts. We're simply wanting to see if we can learn more and help our kids in a more informed way. Okay. So for me, I think it was the first death that I experienced when I was nine years old, and that was of the family pet, a hairy little white dog named Snoopy. He'd been diagnosed with epilepsy when he was quite young, only a few years old. Over time, the seizures started happening more frequently, and he took longer and longer to recover. After a particularly bad night of seizures, my mom suggested that we might need to consider his quality of life and consider putting him down at some point. I ended up making that extremely difficult decision, so my mom dropped me and my two younger siblings off at the bowling alley, and she took Snoopy in. Nothing was ever mentioned about him again that I recall, but every night I remember crying while lying in my bed, missing him with me. But because his name was never mentioned for an awfully long time, I felt that it wasn't okay to talk about him or how I was feeling. Thanks, Lori. Uh, That must have been hard, very hard for you, to go from being the decision maker at nine years old then to be left without any follow-up opportunity to share your sadness and your questions and your memories with the rest of the family. For me, it was a family move to a different city. Uh, I was partway through my grade one year in school at the time. I remember feeling totally unaware of what was going on, except that my world had all changed around. Apart from my family, everything else was different, and I didn't understand, and I did not do well adjusting. Though you and I would probably not have understood in an intellectual sort of way what was going on for us at those times, we knew things were not right. 
We knew it was upsetting and our feelings hurt. We behaved differently and saw our world differently as a result. Following that move I mentioned, I went through a significant regression in my social and academic development. I didn't know it at the time. My parents explained it to me later. I've learned that that sort of thing is not uncommon for kids. And these are stories of early loss from our lives. I'm sure each of our listeners will be able to recall events from their own childhood that they will recognize as being real grief as well. Yes, and a big part of what we want to point out here is that loss happens for kids, even at the very youngest of years, and they do grieve. And in most cases, they don't need any professional intervention. Parents and other caregivers are very able to help them and help them well. And so let's talk a bit about how we can do that. We've got seven things that we'd like to touch on briefly. Absolutely. So step one is take care of yourself. And what I mean by this is for us adults to do our own grief work. If we're really struggling ourselves, we're more likely to have trouble helping our kids. Mm -hmm. Great advice. So how can we do that? Well, obviously, the best way we know how to do that is through the Grief Recovery Method program. We'd love to explain um, how our listeners can connect with the program wherever they live. Contact information is provided in our outro, in our episode notes, and on our website, theheartofgrief.com. Even to read the Grief Recovery Handbook by John W. James and Russell Friedman would be a great start. Certainly, it's important to be aware of how our own grief is affecting us, how it's showing up in our feelings and our behaviors. Though we want to be honest with our children, we don't want our struggles to enter into our caregiving in a way that confuses our kids or leaves them feeling that somehow they need to be taking care of us. Right. The second thing is that we want to say in our list of seven here is to learn more. Learn more about grief and children. There is, of course, a lot of good information available online. Uh, the article we've shared today would be a great place to start. As always with online materials, we encourage people to check out the source of the information for the authority and, and the reliability of what's being said. Very important. So number three is you go first. What we mean by that is for the adult to take the lead in talking about the loss, about the person or the pet that died, or about the change that has taken place. This includes us adults being honest about our feelings and sharing them in simple ways and language that the young person will understand. That then gives them permission to talk about their own thoughts and feelings. And that leads to number four. Listen to understand, not to correct. All grievers need to be able to express their thoughts and feelings and to be heard without being judged or corrected or instructed on a better way to feel. Kids are no different. Feelings arising from loss are often not what we would think to be rational, but they are very real to the grieving child. They may seem extreme or not well connected to the severity of the loss or the relative severity of the loss as we see it. Examples of this might be um, the loss of a precious comfort toy or blankie or the sudden end of a first love. The child may be convinced that their whole world is falling apart completely. There may be irrational concerns for their safety and well-being following the, the sudden death, uh, for example, of a loved one. Kids just need to be heard. Uh, 
and have their feelings validated. While we do want to correct their more technical ideas about illness and death when they've gone astray, or the circumstances of a move or divorce, we want to avoid correcting or dismissing their feelings. That may lead to them withdrawing and bottling things up inside, which is not good for them and not good for us either. No, exactly. So number five is tell them the truth. We need to explain this a bit. So kids deserve the truth just like the rest of us do. They're amazingly aware of when their grown-ups are not giving them the real goods. If we mislead them at times of loss, that only adds to their confusion. It may create mistrust or the idea that there is something bad or dangerous about life now. What we're encouraging is the provision of truthful information at a level of communication that they can understand. This may be when informing them about the loss that affects them in some direct way or in answer to their questions. If our kids notice that we're out of sorts in some way and ask about it, we need to tell them what's happening for us and why, again, in a way and with language that's at their level. This shouldn't include harsh or graphic details. In addition, we need to be careful how we use the popular euphemisms for death, such as asleep or God called her home or gone to be with grandma. Children need to be told about death and that someone will not be coming back to us. And by the way, this doesn't need to diminish a belief in heaven or a future reunion. The truth message is so important, Lori. Thank you. Sometimes we adults feel that we're protecting our kids by withholding the truth or altering its meaning for them. Actually, that can create confusion and result in withdrawal into their private inner world. They may seem to be okay in there, but as mentioned earlier, it's not a place we want them to stay. Then our number six is allow for uniqueness and changes. Just like adults, kids have unique personalities. Each relationship in a child's life is unique to them. So not surprisingly, each will grieve in their own ways. That may be different than their siblings, for example. We need to let that be okay. Then a great point from the article mentioned earlier Children's grief will likely be cyclical, meaning that as they mature, they will revisit a loss when their mental and emotional development allows for new understandings and new feelings. Again, we need to be aware of that and be ready to hear and support them when it happens. So, number seven is to take the Helping Children with Loss program. Yes, indeed. So this is our four-week or four-session program designed specifically for helping parents, grandparents, teachers, and other adult caregivers to better understand and help the hurting kids in their lives. As we mentioned earlier, this is the program that drew my attention to the grief recovery method and to the life-changing, care-changing power of this program that you and I are privileged to follow and to teach. We have plans to offer the Helping Children with Loss program early in 2021, We'll get the details out when we've got things sorted out. I want to mention here that as parents, we know our children better than anyone else. If you are noticing behaviors in your child after a loss, and you have done your best to talk to them about the loss and make it safe for them to share, but you're concerned, please don't be afraid to speak to a family doctor or counselor at school. 
Grief is normal and natural, but with children, sometimes they are unable to understand and process what they're feeling. Thanks, Lori. I think we've provided quite a bit for our listeners to think about in this episode, but is there one bit of what we've talked about that you would like to suggest as our something to think about? Well, I'd like to go right back to the question that we touched on at the start of the program. Do children actually grieve? I would encourage our listeners to reflect on their own childhood experiences as well as those of their children. Think about the hard changes and endings that happened. Is there any better way to describe or understand the experiences than as grief? Right. Then, Lori, there is our something to do. Let me pick up from the invitation to memory and reflection that you just offered. Although we do teach a method and particular actions for people to take when dealing with loss, what we really wish to take place is a greater understanding of ourselves and how loss has affected us. Then, out of our greater self-awareness, we want to choose responses that are more honest, more human, and more healing. So I'd like to encourage our listeners to try a little exercise. Begin by thinking about a loss that happened for you as a child. Recall the circumstances and any other people involved. Then ask yourself, how did I handle it? How did the others around me handle it? How did they handle me? And are there ways you wish it would have been handled differently? This little exercise might stir up some questions for you. If so, be sure that Lori and I would be more than willing to speak with you. So this brings a close to our short focus on children's grief care. We plan to publish our next episode on December 11th, 2020. Uh, Our topic then is going to be what we refer to as unresolved grief and the difference between pain and sadness. We've mentioned before that our mission at the heart of grief is to be sure someone is there for you following a significant emotional loss. That continues to be our intention, and we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. As mentioned, we love to receive comments and questions from our listeners. We invite emails to feedback at theheartofgrief.com. If you'd like to send us paper mail, it can go to The Heart of Grief, care of 610 4th Street South, Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, T1J4P3. And of course, you can subscribe through your podcast service provider.